Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pegnata, with you guys as always. Today, it is time to talk about Carolina bringing in a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive line coach, and losing another big name to the transfer portal since the last time that we were on here. Josh Marlowe is with me for this edition of the podcast here. And look, we'll, we'll start, you know, just in the order that things happen. If you, if you have not been following here over the last couple of days, and to be honest with you, I wouldn't really blame you because it has been absolute insanity. Um, that has probably heightened some anxiety for people with just how much has been going on around this team here over the last couple of weeks. But Carolina on Wednesday ends up landing their new offensive line coach, Randy Clements, a guy 35 years of experience. He's been at a multitude of different spots. North Texas, his most recent stop, and he had some good success there. A guy that has done a really good job. His offensive lines have uh, produced some of the best pass protection in the country over uh, the last handful of years, uh, and and a, a group that has done a really good job of you know run, of run blocking as well. So a lot to like about him. We'll talk a little bit more about him in specific coming up here. Same thing with offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey, who was hired on Thursday. And this one was unexpected. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I I thought, you know, for one, I I was almost certain that with the hire of Clements that it was probably going to be Seth Luttrell, if not Seth Luttrell, then maybe it it was pointing to a guy that he had worked with prior. I know a lot of people were really, um, you know, sort of getting on board with the idea of Kendall Bryles. There were a lot of people that thought that was the direction that they were heading in um, and that it was really just a a matter of, of time. He was going to 
maybe play out the bowl game for Arkansas and then make his decision. And look, it would make sense because you did, you know, Clemens did work with him uh, at both uh, Florida State in 2019 and where he had his most success uh, in 2013 through 2015. He was there from 2008 to 2016 overall at Baylor. But they do end up going with a guy that was not on anybody's radar. Uh, Chip Lindsey was a guy that was on the staff at Central Florida this past year, uh, has worked under Gus Malzahn prior to that in 2017 and 2018, um, and was also a, a head coach in between those stops with Gus Malzahn at Troy. Uh, so it, this is some some interesting hires for sure, some veteran guys that are coming in. I don't think anybody's really shocked about that, although we'll talk about that aspect as well. And then uh, a guy that did confirm that he is in the transfer portal earlier today, Keyshawn Silver, seems like with how long he took to put out an official statement, maybe there were some thoughts about possibly coming back, but Earlier this afternoon, he made it official that he will not be returning. So with all that going on, first, you know, buddy, I, I want to get your opinion on Randy Clements. You know, I, I think this was one that it was kind of hard to get a read on the offensive line candidates. That one clearly not as focused on as the offensive coordinator. And the other element of it is, is that usually you wait until you have an offensive coordinator to hire an offensive line coach. But I do think that Carolina got a really, really good uh, offensive, you know, line coach in the process. A guy that now has the task of coming in and taking over a group that will be going through their third offensive line coach in as many years. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Carolina got as good an offensive line coach, if not a better offensive line coach, and what they lost to Jack Bignell Jr. when he left with Bill Longo to go uh, up to Wisconsin. You look at the offensive lines that Randy Clements has uh, has coached. They, they, he, he's coached offensive lines on offenses that have been very high-powered, been very potent. Some of them at the time were historic offenses. Uh, you look at what he was doing with Baylor in 2013 through 2015. Those offenses were were scoring at a record pace at the time in the Big 12. And so uh, I, I think, you know, that was a, a very good get by Mac. Again, this was another situation where this was prompted. Kind of like last year when we had to go get Jack Bignell Jr. because Stacey Searles willingly left. Well, we all sat here and said, Carolina got an upgrade. We all wanted Stacey Searles fired. We didn't want Bignell Jr. fired, but I'm sitting here today and I'm like, we're in just as good a spot from a coaching standpoint, if not a better uh, uh, a better position, now with Randy Clemens. And so um, that's where Mac Brown's you know experience of just being in the coaching profession for as long as he's been, being in the broadcasting field for as long as he been as as, as he's as he was, has really paid off to where. He has all these relationships with with, with former guys, and um, uh, very pleased with that hire because you, you know that's that that's where that's where it, it all matters on this offensive side of the football. And if there is one thing we can really gripe about outside of you know we want to know why Drake may struggle the last 
month of the season, Carolina got manhandled up front. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really hard to play the quarterback position at a high level if your quarterback doesn't have time to set his feet, get comfortable, get into a rhythm. Uh, but but uh, I, I'm really pleased with this hire, and I think he's going to do a lot of good things in Chapel Hill starting next year. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And I, I think we've seen it with the units that he has coached before. He has moved around a decent amount here recently. And just about everywhere he's gone first year when he comes in, there is immediate success. And look, he's done it on big-time stages, too. People might say, well, North Texas, how big of a stage is that? You mentioned his time at Baylor, which, by the I mean, that alone should sell you on, on this move. Uh, because you look at his time at Baylor, there from 08 to 16, a big part of building what Baylor eventually became. Not, you know, of course, everybody is going to remember those Baylor teams for what happened off the field, but – those were program that that program was really one of the more consistent in college football in the mid 2010s. Um, they were the biggest threat to Oklahoma year in and year out. They actually won back to back Big 12 championships, um, and, and it was in part due to what his offensive lines were doing up front. They had 13 all uh, Big 12 selections from 2013 through 2015, six All-American selections during that time period, including three of which were unanimous. From 2012 to 2015, he coached the Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year in each and every one of those seasons. So his track record is great just based on that job alone. But he also coached in the SEC at Ole Miss back in 2020. And I I don't think you can take it lightly what he was able to do recently at North Texas up front and turning that team from an air raid offense into a team that had the ability to run the football with relative ease this past season. So there's a lot to like about this. We knew, and and this is the thing, I, I think that, what Taylor Vipolis said a couple of weeks ago about this staff is right. They do need to get a, some younger guys mixed in here, get some new ideas. But with your offensive line coach, that's a spot where you want an older veteran guy to come in and coach your group up. And I think this was a great hire. I don't know ultimately if it's an upgrade from Jack McNell Jr. Only time will tell. He's hopefully you're you're hoping Randy Clements will be here more than just one year. Um, But I I think that there is a chance for this to be a really, really good hire. Well, let's go to the offensive coordinator hire. And this one was stunning because I, I, last night I was told by a couple of different people that it looked like Kendall Bryles was the guy that the staff was possibly narrowing in on. Um, It it would make sense considering the history that he has had with Clements. And also, you know, the fact that he would wait until after his bowl game, it made a little bit of sense just out of respect to the staff that he's currently on. But Then today, we get the news that Chip Lindsey is going to be Carolina's head coach, comes just after 11 a.m., and this was a name that I don't think anybody had anywhere close to their radar. Comes over from Central Florida, 
Um, a team that had some pretty good success this year offensively, finished the season nine and four, lost in, uh, in, in the AAC title game. But it was a team that he, he didn't call plays for this past year. He was really just focused on the quarterbacks there. And look, the quarterbacks had some decent success, and he's got a decent success with the quarterbacks that he's coached, including John Rice Plumley this year, eventually Mickey Keene, who took over for him, but mainly guys like Nick Mullins, who he coached at Southern Miss when he was there from 2014 to 2015, and then Jarrett Stidham, who he coached both of his years when he was at Auburn. This one is just – this one honestly left me back because I think a lot of people are probably feeling the same way with this hire. It is rather underwhelming for the names that we were being that, – that were being linked to Carolina at least early on in the going. Yeah, that's the that's the exact word I used uh, today at uh, on the station that we both work at. So that's underwhelming. Um, I felt that Carolina was in a position to demand a big name at this position, whether that's Garrett Riley at, you know, TCU, someone else. I, I just, I felt like given the, the offensive production that Carolina's put up under Mac Brown, given the, the talent that exists on the roster, Given someone the opportunity to coach Drake May was going to have people like flocking for the opportunity, like you and I flock to women on the dating apps, and it, it just it just doesn't feel like that really happened on Carolina's end. It just what this felt like was a safe hire, and look, maybe in the short run. That's what Carolina needs. Maybe Mac Brown's looking at it and saying, look, this is the right guy for next year to, to come in and, and run this offense. As much as we've questioned and doubted the future, the longevity of, of Mac Brown, I want Mac Brown to be here as long as possible. And these hires are they're really important. And, you know, if, if this doesn't go right and Chip Lindsey isn't the, you know, a, a play caller that could, that could call plays at the power five level, obviously Gus Malzahn didn't, you know, didn't think so at Auburn had some issues, you know, had some issues there. He didn't call plays at central Florida. Who knows what this does for the, you know, to Drake may and for the, 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 the direction of the program. And so, um, this just felt like it felt like Carolina had a win here where it's like you go out here and you you bring in a rock star offensive coordinator. It's going to make the the collapse at the, to the end of the season. It's going to salt over some of those wounds. I don't think this hire does that. And we're all kind of sitting here. I guess I guess scratching your heads is the best way to put it, because it just felt like Carolina settled as opposed to being a program in a, in a, 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 that was demanding you know more and they were in a position to be very demanding of what they wanted from their next offensive coordinator yeah I mean this this hire honestly feels like one where Carolina just missed on all these other guys I I just like that's the that's the point that I'm at with it because 
I mean, you mentioned some of the names, and look, maybe Garrett Riley was never, maybe he didn't even answer the phone. Who knows? Um, there were a lot of people that were getting their hopes up for that one, and there was some smoke with that over the uh, over the weekend. I know when we were up in Chapel Hill for the game against Georgia Tech for the basketball program, um, that was kind of the talk in some of the on some of the message boards and some of the groups that um, Garrett Riley was was a guy that was being strongly considered, and I don't know if that's ultimately the case, but. I, I mean, it, it, you would hope that they would have at least tried to go after him. Um, it may have been a thing where Mac Brown is not ready to step away after the season is over. Although, I got to be honest, this hire, I mean, is this a one-year hire? I, I, I mean, I, I just, there, there is, I, from, from looking at his track record, there is not a lot to pound the table on with Chip Lindsey. Um, I, I mean, look, I, do I think he's a terrible offensive coordinator? No, I think Carolina, you know, they, they definitely could have done worse, um, from hiring, you know, someone hiring from within, which would have meant that you would have had somebody that has not been an offensive coordinator before, or if you would have gone with Sparky Woods, someone that hasn't been an offensive coordinator in a very, very long time. Um, but I, I just, you thought that this would be a chance for Carolina to go out and get an, a, at least some sort of significant name. Somebody that, you know, even, even if it was Seth Luttrell, you know, you brought this up earlier today when we were talking about this, when the news first came out. You know, we, I think a lot of people had gotten on board with that idea, especially after the hire yesterday. They said, look, Randy Clements has worked with him before. You know, he's had success at Carolina before. You feel like his offensive system is, in in a lot of ways, pretty similar to what we saw from Phil Longo. Um, you know, the red zone success was not all that much better than what we saw from Longo's, but you, you would you you could get on board with that. And now with Chip Lindsey, it's I mean, is this a system that's going to work for Carolina? I mean, look at the systems that he's run in the past. These are systems that are based on having really, really good running games. And maybe Randy Clements can get that offensive line where they need to be. Maybe that running back room can step up. But you've got one of the best quarterback rooms really in the entire country, even with Jacoby Criswell leaving. Carolina has done a really good job of recruiting that position. And I think people should take some solace in the fact that Drake May was very complimentary of the hire, but at the same time, I just, in terms of actual play calling, he has similar struggles in the red zone to what we saw from Phil Longo and what was the biggest criticism with Phil Longo. His offenses are not nearly as explosive and I, I think it's it's a legitimate concern about the fact that he did not call plays this past year. That his offense at Troy in his final season was one of the worst offenses in the entire country. So I think there are reasons to be concerned about ultimately what Carolina is getting with this hire. 
Yeah, there's there, there's absolutely no doubt about that. And I think that was something that I think when the, the, the news broke that Longo was leaving, we just didn't want to be sitting here questioning uh, another decision Mac Brown made, right? Because that's yeah. not any fun. And it just feels like that's that's where we are. And, um, y- y- you know, it, it, it's it, it's just really unfortunate, you know, because when, when you, you bring in a guy that's a CEO type of coach that is really just here to manage things and and, 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 and manage his staff, I think it's pretty fair to say that through the first four years, Matt Brown hasn't managed his staff very well. His loyalty uh, is something that you should admire about him, but in the coaching profession in today's A and age, loyalty gets you fired. Um, and you know there was there's been some reservations to move on from coaches in the past, some reservations right now to move on from some certain guys, and then when it comes to to bringing in assistants, I, I think last year he did a really good job. We felt. You know, we were really three, uh, really thrilled about Charlton Warren coming back to Chapel Hill. I think Gene Chizik, it wasn't we weren't over here, you know, beating the drum down for it, but that hire made a lot of sense. We raved about Jad Picknell Jr. simply because he wasn't Stacy Searles. And then this time, it's okay, Randy Clements, good job. This we're gonna have to wait and see. And I don't think we thought that was the expectation upon going into an offensive uh, coordinator search, knowing we've got one of the three best quarterbacks in college football in Drake May, who we know is going to be back next year. Mm -hmm. And and so that's going to be the thing. Spring is going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be interesting to hear the messaging from Matt Brown from Chip Lindsey, from the players. Um, and, and you know, the, this is going to be a team that hopefully they can find some depth along the offensive, you know, on the offensive line at the skill uh, at the skill uh, positions as well. That way when they get to summer, because they hit the ground running with South Carolina in Charlotte, they're in a position to, to, to start winning games because – I don't know how patient Tar Heel fans are going to be if this team comes out and the offensive play isn't where it should be with a guy like Drake May at the quarterback spot. Well, I'm going to tell you that first game in Charlotte is going to be really interesting because the team on the other side, they aren't really loving their offensive coordinator hire either. Do you think that Mac Brown will go through and list all the different coaches that you can call to ask about Chip Lindsay because, I mean, that performance from Shane Beamer the other day was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. But, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's certainly one that I didn't think we would be questioning. I, I really thought – because I thought the first I, – I thought the hire of Phil Longo when he brought him in was outstanding. Um, I To be honest with you, I thought – pretty much every hire that he has made on the offensive side of the ball has been really, really good. Um, when he first, you know, even when he first brought in Stacey Searles, I mean, there were criticisms of him, but look, he was experienced. He was a guy that had been at, at uh, you know, a bunch of different top level schools and we kind of see why now, but 
we we also see that he was a really good recruiter. And so you thought, okay, he's not going to make a bad offensive hire. And who knows, this could end up working out. But it's just, there were so many other names that I think we would have placed ahead of Chip Lindsey in this race. I don't know what the connection is because, again, this is a guy that's been around for 26 years in the college game. And, you know, it's very clear that experience is a big, big part of this. That this is ultimately, that that is a factor that has to be taken into account um, when it comes to these hires. So I I don't, from from that perspective, I I just, I really don't know what to make of it. And you're right. This year is going to be crucial because you do not want to waste another superstar quarterback. A guy that is going to come in, I mean, look, Drake, or, or Sam Howell, excuse me, had you know, an outside Heisman shot coming into last year. Man, Drake May is going to be one of the favorites to win the Heisman Trophy coming into this this next year. And, I mean, the question is, is is Chip Lindsey the guy that's going to take you where you want to go offensively? Now, let me ask you about just, just two questions that I have seen some people sort of bouncing back and forth and and popped into my mind as well. Now, the first one, we we, had, we were talking about it a little bit earlier today. W- what do you think about Drake May being involved in, in, in this decision? I, I think, you know, it makes, it makes some sense because you want a guy of that caliber, especially in the modern era, to be satisfied with who you are bringing in as a coach. But I think it's also important to remember, as as you were kind of pointing out, that, look, he's only going to be here, we would expect, uh, through next season. And then after that, it, it's going, you know, to somebody else. So what, what do you think about him, him being that involved in the decision? This is going to come across as get off my lawn type of guy. I don't like it because – that's what pros do. When you're Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Pat Mahomes, yeah, I'm okay with you having an input on who's going to be your 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 play caller, who's going to be the guy that puts the game plan together. At the college level, and look, I know that now because they're they're they've got NIL opportunities and stuff like that, they're trending more to that that type of mindset. You're still a college athlete. You're still there on a scholarship to play football. And so I I don't like that, but I understand it because, you know, Matt Brown, you know, just because Drake May sent out a tweet last week saying that he's coming back could never leave this place. In this day and age, you just don't ever know. And so that was probably something that Mac was doing, just trying to ensure that Drake May didn't go into the ever-popular transfer portal um, because that would be a probably a death blow to this program uh, for the short and maybe even the long term. But, you know, for, so many people have been turned off by the transfer portal, by the NIL, that they've walked away from college athletics. We're still here. We're still fighting the good fight. 
But if we ever get to a position where this becomes becomes normal and a common practice, that's going to make a lot of people probably then be willing to step through all the changes, through commissary alignment and say, nah, because we've got to keep what makes college sports what's college sports. We don't want this to become a minor league for the NFL, for the NBA, or whatever, because there are ways for the NFL and the and major and, and for the NBA to have those types of things without and without it ruining the college game. So I understand it. I don't like it. Well, I mean, look, at this point, if if you're hoping that it doesn't become a minor league for those sports, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's already there. It, it, it's it's kind of just time to accept that. That's a whole bigger conversation from, you know, just just the Tariel perspective of this. I, I mean, look, he's I, I, you got to involve him in some way i think what it is is that you hope that the other quarterbacks in that room were also sort of involved with this decision hey we want you to meet the offensive coordinator ultimately look do i think that drake may was the guy that made the the, the ultimate decision no i i don't i i don't think that happened i think mac brown Really like Chip Lindsey because look, if if it was up to Drake May, there would probably be some big name that he would want more than anything else. But I think it getting getting your guys involved. I, I think this is another move by Mac Brown ultimately that will help recruiting in a certain way to say, hey, look, when you're when you're here, you're you're going to be involved in things that are happening. Um, again, I think if the whole room is involved, then I think it makes sense because look, most, maybe, maybe these guys that are there now, including incoming freshmen for next season, Tad Hudson, maybe those, all the, maybe they see Mac Brown coach their entire time at the college level, maybe, but I don't think that's a guarantee. So there's a chance that Chip Lindsey, as we said earlier, could be a guy that is just a hire for the now that could only be here a year, two years, maybe three. So getting those guys on the roster involved, yeah, probably makes a little bit of sense. If this was a long-term hire, maybe then – not saying you don't get them involved, but ultimately, I think you have to go with your gut. That's the biggest thing. This needed to be a decision made by Mac Brown. And I think from the name, it, it clearly was a decision from Mac Brown. So I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not too against it. Again, I just don't think that it should be only Drake May that was in on that. Now, what about this? And this is something interesting that I think Toriel fans, they have to kind of think about for a little bit, even after we discuss it here. He, I mentioned earlier that Lindsey's offenses typically have not been as explosive. They have had a lot of success running the football, still some decent success throwing the football at times, but a lot more success running the football than some of the other guys that we were looking at. and. 
ultimately what that probably lends to is a little bit of a slower pace of play. So for the overall success of this team, just because of how much we've seen the defense struggle, could this ultimately end up helping Carolina overall that they will play a slower pace, that they might be a little more run heavy? Um, you know, I think in theory that answer should be yes. Uh, I'm going to hold my answer until I see better defensive football because I, I I think this right, I don't think it matters. Carolina could run the slowest tempo in the country on offense, and I still think this defense would be getting gashed, giving up big plays, giving up points, this, that, and the third, because I don't think there's good coaching on that side of the ball, and I don't think there's good players on the side of the ball, you know, from top to bottom. What I do think that shows is that maybe there was some – discontent within the coaching staff there they weren't all cohesive and you know maybe Mac Brown realized that and said look we we need to play a more deliberate style if you go back to 2015 Carolina had an explosive offense but were they as up-tempoed as they have been under Phil Longo no you go back to 2020 when Carolina because of circumstances kind of outside their control in the COVID season, find themselves in the Orange Bowl. Did they play at the fastest tempo ever? No. So you can run a more deliberate offense, a run-first offense, and still put up a bunch of points, rack up a whole lot of yards, and help your defense out. But don't make no mistake, if Chip Lindsey gets the feeling that Phil Longo pretty much happens he arrived, that I've got to score every time I touch the ball, I think he will call plays in a manner that every time Carolina's on offense, they're trying to race down and put points up because they know the defense is going to give up its fair share. Yeah, and look, this is something that we heard rumors from from message boards and stuff like that. And again, take that with a grain of salt as you should everything that you see on a message board. But if that is true, that the defensive staff was critical of how fast the offense would move the ball down the field at times, um, how quick they'd score, stuff like that, that just kind of kept the defense on its toes, then, I mean, look, this is your chance now. You've got no more excuses moving forward. So I, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Can you feel confident that this is really going to help that much? No, not until the defense wants to show something more consistent. And, I mean, I, I just – I don't know. I don't know when that is going to happen because, you you know, you've said it. You believe that it's it's – it's a lot on the talent that's there. I think it's more about the coaching. But here's the thing. Right now, I don't think the coaching is changing. It it does not, unless, unless it, they are waiting until after the bowl game. It seems like they are going to stick with the same coaching staff on the defensive side of the football again. Which is, when you, when you talk about, you mentioned when we, we started this conversation about the loyalty that Mac Brown has had 
and it hurting him to a certain extent. If that is true, that they are keeping this defensive staff intact, then I, I just it, it is going to be hard to think that bringing in an offensive coordinator that low that runs a slower pace is really going to change anything drastically on the other side of the football. Um, again, you're you're right. You said it in theory. It, it should help you out, and maybe it does a little bit, but I think that there is a lot more that Carolina has to do on the defensive side of the football in order for the defense to have success rather than just leaning on the offense slowing things down, giving them a time, th- th- them a chance to catch their breath, whatever. So we'll, we'll we'll see, but ultimately, I don't really know how much that actually helps. It'll take a little bit of time before we actually have that answer. Uh, last thing that I did want to talk about from this perspective, uh, you know, in terms of stuff that's going on around Tario football here the last couple of days. Carolina officially loses Keyshawn Silver to the transfer portal. And look, Keyshawn Silver did not really play a whole lot for Carolina during his time in Chapel Hill, a guy that struggled to get on the field because he, one, fit Jay Bateman's system much better than he fit Gene Chizik's system. He was also a guy that was attempting to move from pretty much an edge rusher role in high school to a defensive tackle role. And I just don't think that that move was ultimately what was best for him at the end of the day. Maybe he is a guy that wherever else, wherever he ends up could play defensive tackle, but he, you know, this year, one of the issues that they said was that he got up to 315 pounds and he just wasn't in shape enough to be able to play there. The bigger concern though from this perspective, is that Carolina has now lost their top recruits in back-to-back classes to the transfer portal in this cycle. The top recruit in the 2020 cycle for Carolina now was a reclassification, but still counts in the 2020 class, was, of course, Tony Grimes. He entered the portal. We talked about that on the, on uh, one of the prior editions of the podcast. Then you got Silver, who enters, who was the top recruit in the 2021 cycle. Look. Still got Travis Shaw there, and the hope is that he's going to play a major role for you moving forward. But this is not a great sign for Carolina that you're bringing in the talent in these five stars, but you're ultimately losing that talent within, you know, before their careers are even concluded in Chapel Hill. So there, there's two things. What The first thing it points to is a lack of player development that exists in the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and that's that's been a Tar Heel football issue. If you date back, you know, really since Larry Fedora got here, where they could get talent here, just couldn't develop it. So that's the first thing is that, and this is why like people are just dumbfounded at all the players that have entered the portal. I'm not because the coaching on that side of the ball isn't up to par. These kids realize that they realize that their dreams of playing big time college football, let alone going to the NFL or, are being taken away from them playing defense for Carolina. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, And that's the most concerning thing. Like, like it, 
you know, this is just part of it now where Carolina is not the only school in the country that has upped its recruiting over the last three, four, five years. But they've seen some of the better players leave and go to the portal. Like that's that's just where we are as a as a sport where you're going to see guys leave and go other places because of coaching changes, because of family matters, uh, you know, whatever it is. So, like, I'm not as frustrated on that front. Like, it's something that we're still having to adapt to because, you know, we believe that Carolina is a special place. So it's hard to see guys willingly want to go somewhere else. My biggest concern is that I think the players are telling, you know, Matt Brown and the fan base what they think about the coaching on the defensive line, on the defensive backs side of things. And that's not being addressed. That's what you should be most concerned about if you're a Tar Heel football fan, that the message is pretty clear, but the guy who should be hearing the message the loudest, he's the quietest on that front. It's I mean, it's it, it all goes back to the loyalty, man. That that's that's honestly what it is. And I think you are a hundred percent right that it is guys basically just saying, Hey, we're coming here. We don't feel like we're being developed right. We don't feel like we're being put in the best position to succeed. And that's why we're moving on. And that's that's ultimately the concern. Look, landing the talent is, is part of it. But developing that talent to make yourself a contender is another part of it. And, I mean, we've seen it with teams in this conference. Florida State, before Mike Norvell turned things around this year, they didn't have trouble getting the talent. That wasn't their issue. Their issue was they weren't developing the talent. Same thing with Miami. And you're right. I think this is basically screaming that to Mac Brown, that, hey, things are not right with this coaching staff right now. We can all see it. I mean, we see it with, with with Tim Cross for sure. I told you yesterday, I think Dre Bly is a guy that Carolina has to try to get out of the cornerback coaching role. But if, if for some reason he had to return, if you could only make one move, then yeah, it's got to be Tim Cross. There is no way in hell you can bring Tim Cross back. I mean, you were one of the least successful pass rushes in all of Power 5 this year. And the numbers are just horrendous. Like, there, there is absolutely no way to justify that with the talent that you have. That means you are simply not coaching these guys right. So, yeah, it's that that's, that's one of the things that they have to realize because here's what's going to happen. If you continue to bring in the talent, but it doesn't get developed, eventually guys are going to look and say, do we really want to go there? Like, I get that, you know, we could be the guys that can turn it around. But if it's the same staff, they're going to say, hey, they haven't really developed anyone in recent years. So why should we believe that we're actually going to get developed right? That's the thing that Carolina has to figure out. And I, I, I really hope, again, like I said a few minutes ago, this staff get th- th- that – Mac Brown takes a hard look at that group 
on the defensive side of the ball after the bowl game. Don't really know why he's waiting until the bowl game. If if that's the if that's when he is, but you you really need to take a hard look at the coaches on that side of the ball. And I'm talking about Gene Chizik too. Like if this is a historically bad performance again in the bowl game, like he had back in 2015, you you got to at least think about moving on and finding somebody else because this, 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 there were a lot of things that we thought were going to change with this team this year, and pretty much none of them did, and a majority of them got worse than what we saw a year ago. So we'll see. Hopefully, you know, for Carolina's sake, there there is hope that this is pretty much the end of the guys entering the transfer portal. We'll see. There's still a chance that some guys could enter. There's also been talk, you know, I've, I've seen this from a, a couple of people inside Carolina talking about it the other day on their message board said that um, Carolina does have guys that are currently in the portal that are still with the team, that are still practicing with the team, um, which does kind of indicate that there are guys still thinking about potentially returning. Hopefully that is, you know, someone like Storm Duck. Um, that would be huge if Carolina could get him back, but only time will tell on that front. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. I'll tell you a couple of things on the recruiting side of things for you guys to keep an eye on uh, as we get closer and closer to National Signing Day and the opening of the early signing period. Stick around for that here on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. The reason why they have all these great ways that you can play with same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, and player prop options. So if you want to bet on maybe even some of the former Tar Heels, how many rushing yards Michael Carter will have in a game for the Jets, you can do it all at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot, to win big. Guys, I've been using it to bet on my favorite team, even though they let me down this past week. The New York Giants, I've been betting on them all season long, and it has worked out well for me. I've been betting heavily on Saquon Barkley. Mike Kafka, can you please help me out and use him a little bit more this week? You can bet on your favorite team, even if it's the Carolina Panthers, at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter 
at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow. And you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at HackZubber2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in to the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe with you. As I mentioned before we went to break, Carolina with some big recruiting news today. They land a big commitment from the state of North Carolina just a just a week after losing one of their top players in the 2023 class. Four-star linebacker KV Keys, of course, decommitted last week. Not really unexpected. He was a guy that had kind of been eyeing going somewhere else for a while now. Uh, you know, Penn State's the team that I think a lot of people believe will be uh, the ultimate destination for him, although Virginia Tech is pushing hard for him as well. But Carolina does fill that linebacker spot. They get a guy that can sort of play sideline to sideline. One of the more productive players in the state of North Carolina this season at the linebacker position in Michael Short, uh, who comes out of Mallard Creek High School. Uh, and, and a guy, when you turn on the film really quick, uh, can cover a lot of space really quickly, um, and, and I think has some really, really good instincts. Honestly, when I watched his film, it reminded me a lot of what we see now from Cedric Gray. And if he can build off of that, I think that, that could be big for Carolina. And remember with Cedric Gray, that Carolina was his only power five offer. Michael Short got a few more there late in the process. He, he was considering Carolina, Wake Forest, and Missouri uh, for you know his, his decision today. But uh, I, I do think that there are a lot of similarities to uh, to, to Cedric Gray in, in that he was a guy that was kind of not talked about too much in, in his recruiting class. It took him some time to get on some recruiting boards. But at the end of the day, with the way that he plays, the athleticism that he brings, he could be a really, really good player for Carolina. He's not the only guy that Carolina is targeting, though. Uh, they do have an official visit that they are hosting this weekend with 2023 three-star defensive tackle Rodney Laura out of Woodbury Forest High School in Woodbury Forest, Virginia. He was a guy that a lot of people probably remember him from uh, earlier in the recruiting cycle, Carolina was sort of battling Virginia. Uh, Carolina landed the commitment or at least got the inkling that they were going to land the commitment from Joshua Horton, a guy that's no longer committed to the class. He, of course, flipped to Miami. But uh, Carolina, you know, I guess did a good job of sort of staying in contact with Laura. And now he is decommitted from Virginia and is, you know, a, a target for Carolina here. Uh, Wisconsin has also eyed him as well, but he will take an official visit this weekend. A lot of people think at this point, Carolina is the favorite to land him and that this is pretty much just for him to sort of confirm that to the staff. Uh, then there's Jordan Louie. He was a guy that, you know, really took off late in the running here. Uh, he did take an official visit to Vanderbilt the week before taking his official visit to Chapel Hill, uh, which was this past weekend. 
He is still considering West Virginia, the team that he was formerly committed to at one time in this recruiting cycle. Uh, he released that top three earlier this week, but uh, everything would sort of point to this being a battle between Carolina and Vanderbilt at this point. Carolina probably feels pretty good about where they stand. Uh, it took them a while. They really didn't have, they only extended three total offers uh, in the class at the running back position, but Louie was the guy that they got in late on, and it feels like Carolina just trying to find a little bit more competitive depth in that backfield, a guy that can at least bring some more competition back there where there really isn't a lot of clear answers, even as we get to the final game of this regular season. So uh, we'll see what Carolina is able to do on that front. And we will have you covered on the website, heeltoughblog.com with all of the stuff going on around signing day. Uh, it is now just six days away, December 21st is early signing day. So uh, we will have you covered on that day where most guys will end up signing. If uh, I know Jordan Louie already has his commitment scheduled for that day. Rodney Laura, it is, uh, as of right now, I don't think there is anything that is scheduled. So that could be one that we could find out as soon as this weekend, if things go uh, the right way. Um, but we will be monitor monitoring it, all of that for you, as well as anything going on with the transfer portal. We have the articles up there about Randy Clements and Chip Lindsey, if you want to go and read a little more in depth about what they've done in the past and ultimately what uh, I, I think of those hires. I go a little more in depth on that in those articles. So make sure you're checking out all of that. And checking out the basketball coverage as well. I had you covered the other night, Josh. A little under the weather, so I had you guys covered for the Citadel game. But Josh is going to be back at it as Carolina gets ready to take on Ohio State in Madison Square Garden as part of the CBS Sports Classic. Uh, so he'll, he'll have you covered on that front. And then Carolina in the middle of next week. Big game here in Charlotte, the Jumpman Invitational against Michigan. Big two-game stretch coming up. Don't miss any of that coverage on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. So, once again, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tory. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.